Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to the Actus Podcast, Talking CDI. The Actus Podcast is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and to Actus. Today's featured Actus solution is Actus Pro. Just like the printed Actus Pocket Guide, which we all, which we know you guys all use and love, this online portal provides all the detail, explanation, and content you've come to expect from the Actus team, but we also update it in real time to keep you at the forefront of the CDI industry. You can easily access all the query, coding, and documentation resources you love and need every day, anywhere, anytime. Pull it up on your phone in a meeting to make sure you have the right code. Access it on the go while talking to a, to a physician. Take notes in it and keep them for easy reference. We know it's going to become your favorite res- reference, so check that out at hcmarketplace.com slash actuspro. Okay, so my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Integrity Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, Outpatient CDI Prospective Chart Reviews. I want to give a shout out to our sponsor today. Today's show is sponsored by 3M Health Information Systems. 3M Health Information Systems, now with Emodal, delivers innovative software and consulting services designed for a wide range of healthcare environments, from closing the loop between clinical care and revenue integrity to computer-assisted coding, CDI, and performance monitoring. 3M can help you reduce cost and provide more informed care. Today, I'm joined by my co-host Laurie Prescott. Laurie is the CDI Education Director for us here at HC Pro and Actus in Middleton, Mass. She's the lead developer and instructor for our CDI boot camps. You've seen her at the conference as a speaker here on this program many times, author of our pocket guide and pro, which I just referenced, and very pleased to have her back here with us on the eve of Thanksgiving, almost the eve of Thanksgiving. So welcome to the program, Laurie. Thanks, Brian. Okay. Next, I'd like to introduce uh, today's special guest making her debut appearance on the podcast is Lena Belcher. Lena is uh, the Enterprise System CDI Educator for WVU Medicine. She's a seasoned clinical professional with over a decade of experience in documentation review, including as a Clinical Documentation Integrity RN, CDI Supervisor, and CDI Educator. Her education includes DNP candidate. Congratulations there, uh, MSN, BSN, and RN with a strong clinical background. She does have inpatient and outpatient experience working with multidisciplinary departments and with physician champion advisors, and is going to be sharing a bit of us, uh, a bit of that information with, with, with us here today. So welcome, Lena. Thank you. All right. Well, as I always do, I'm going to start with a poll question related to today's topic. I'm going to go ahead and pull that up. You should be seeing that hitting your screen. So please pick the option that best pertains to you. We're asking you today, if you have an outpatient CDI program, do you perform prospective reviews? In other words, before the patient arrives. Your options are yes, no, not sure, not applicable, meaning you don't have an outpatient CDI program, or other. Please describe. Give you guys a few more minutes to take that. We've got about two thirds of our audience voted. Again, if you have an outpatient program, do you perform prospective chart reviews? Yes, no, not sure, 
not applicable, don't have a program or other. You know, and I will say, I would like you to drop your other responses into the chat pod or questions portal. I'll be happy to take a look at those uh, during our interview with Lena. All right, we're gonna go ahead and close this out. We have most of our respondents in and we'll come back to those results, of course, in just a few minutes. All right, Lena, welcome to the show again. I'm glad to have you on for your first appearance on the podcast. Um, I thought we could just start with a little bit of background about the outpatient program you have at WVUM. So just to set the stage for us and let us know where you are, maybe a little bit about why you started the program, um, what metrics you use to kind of track performance and, and how, you're, how you're staffing it as well. Okay, yeah. So thank you again for having me. Um, so WVU Medicine began its outpatient CDI program in 2015, more of a fact-finding mission with regard to CDI division that at that time had minimal industry information and guidance. Um, after the initial research and discovery phase was completed in collaboration with our WVU Med Population Health Department, um, and given the fact that WVUM was becoming its own ACO, uh, it was determined that our greatest opportunity rested within the capture of HCCs, those hierarchical condition categories. So we did not have any internal data surrounding HCCs and RAF scores, and frankly, most of the acronyms were not even understood by many of our departments at that time, close to the ambulatory setting. So we partnered with third-party payers um, with regard to their data and HCC captures and RAF scores kind of to gather some baseline information. So we could hone in on where our greatest opportunities were and where we needed to begin. So we focused on a single outpatient family medicine clinic as our first pilot to see if we could move the needle there. Um, our outpatient reviewers started to review prospectively and um, we were able to attribute success in increased HCC capture rates and RAF scores. Um, we currently have two CDI um, outpatient reviewers and they shift to various clinics throughout the year to those who have the greatest need for HCC gap closures. That's interesting. I'm, I'm glad, you know, I was listening to you and I'm glad you said you started with like one practice and you expanded out. Um, and um, as, I, as we were talking in the, the pre-conference before here for the podcast, when you told me you had, had two uh, staff members for this, we both agreed that that probably wasn't enough. So how do you decide on your areas of focus and what types of practices are you um, working with? Because you can't possibly cover them all would be my guess. Right, correct. So um, currently we focus on those ambulatory provider clinics that are associated with WVU Medicine. Um, because they work within the same EHR that we have, it makes it more of like a seamless process um, for us to get into those clinics and work with those providers. Because we're an ACO and we review a majority of Medicare Advantage patients, we complete those prospective chart reviews prioritized by the HDC gap analysis within the EHR software. Um, so it lets us fine tune where our biggest HDC gap measurements are, and then we know where to focus and where to move next. It's nice you can use the technology to help you with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're finally starting to see some more technology in this space, but it's still lagging inpatient, definitely. Um, 
Yeah, so let's really get into the, the, the main topic today, Lena. What, what, what does a chart review look like in the outpatient setting for you guys? Um, I was hoping you could maybe walk us through the process, maybe look over the shoulder of one of your outpatient CDI reviewers if they'll let us do that, and, and kind of what they do um, when they're looking at these encounters. Yeah, so their, their day-to-day process is um, a little like inpatient, that they come in, they see their patients um, in that list that they need to work from. And so that's their um, upcoming annual well-visit appointment patients mm-hmm. with the largest HCC gap. So we're able to see, you know, who has the bright red gap um, to prioritize those patients through. So they look at each current year visit to ensure those HCCs that have been documented have been captured on a claim um, or are within our alert system for the provider to identify as either an active diagnosis or an inactive no longer applicable diagnosis so then they look at also the past year's visits to see if any current diagnosis hcc's have fallen off the radar of the providers because we all know january 1 you know limbs grow back and (laughs) ostomies are (laughs) resolved and um, so we just have to make sure that everything that was existing that is probably a long-term diagnosis on the previous year claim makes it um, to the current year. Then they also review like lab values, medication lists, radiology results, all the things that normal inpatient reviews contain, um, but it's a more con- um, comprehensive list of that year's claim. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then they'll send queries based on the clinical indicators and findings based on their review um, and any clinical validation um, support for diagnosis needed. And then they'll follow their queries post-visit to see if the HCCs were accurately captured during the annual well visit. Nice. Very nice. Before I turn it over to you, Laurie, that's just interesting to hear about the annual wellness visit. I know I'm not going to spoil who, and we'll, we'll hear more about it later, but there's actually someone who's doing a going for their doctorate in nursing and, and looking at annual wellness visits um, as a driver of revenue mm-hmm. capture, but also patient care. And um, mm-hmm. that's that seems to be a common area of opportunity for outpatient, look, really using honing in on that visit. So cool stuff there. Yeah. Well, and sometimes that's their only visit for the year. So right. you know, that's right. a good one. Yeah. Good one to capture it. So, Lena, mm-hmm. your title is system educator. So, um, I'm curious as to what your job entails, and are you educating your team? Are you out educating the physicians? Um, can you give us an example of um, common documentation deficiencies or lack of specificity that you see as an education problem? Tell me about what you do. Definitely. So we do um, quality assurance um, as the educator with our outpatient CDI. So I will go through um, some of their charts retrospectively just to make sure that, you know, everything's up to par and that, um, you know, we're meeting metrics within our QA process. But then also as the educator, I help coordinate education with the clinics. So if we're going to shift to a new clinic, um, we'll collaborate with the population health team within that clinic. Um, and provide some education for the clinic before we come on to let them know we're going to be, you know, reviewing your charts. This is what a query looks like. This is how you would answer it, things like that. Um, And then we also provide education during uh, orientation for any new APPs or physicians across the entire system. 
and service lines practicing within the outpatient setting. So we kind of get them on the front end to set them up for success within our system. And we'll tailor that HCC education to the specific population that those providers will be focusing on. So whether that's ortho or psych, um, what have you, pediatric, we have several quote unquote commonly missed HCCs though across the board. Um, one example is depression. Depression unspecified is not an HCC, but more specified depression can be. Um, mm -hmm. So that's HCC 59. And so we often see patients on, you know, routine medications like Zoloft with a PHQ-9 questionnaire score documented, um, but no associated or specified diagnosis of depression or, um, you know, mental health diagnosis. So through education and queries, we're able to help that provider designate an associated specified diagnosis to match up to that meet criteria that we're already putting in the documentation um, to show, you know, the association that, you know, you're giving treatment, we're doing these things, what are we calling it? Yeah. Awesome. All right. Can I ask one quick question, Brian? Are Go you, right ahead. Are, are your physicians very receptive to this education? How they are good. Um, good for the most part yeah they they really do buy in and, and ask specific questions um, much to the surprise to me as an educator of inpatient physicians um, that's more of like a system focus when it's inpatient but because mm -hmm. it's outpatient they really take more ownership of nice. their own documentation within their own practice I think you know they value that a little bit more nice yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I was thinking that too. I've, what I've, what I understand, not being an outpatient CDI specialist myself, is that sometimes physicians are reluctant to, um, to, to, to diagnose some of the major depressive disorders because of you know patient stigma and those type of things. So it sounds like, but they're mm -hmm. they're pretty receptive to you guys able to explain why that's important and kind of get that documented when when it's um, when it's appropriate. Yeah, and it's even gotten to the point where we've been sought out, um, you know, so we'll yeah. have like oncology outpatient and, and they're That's like, right. how do I document this cancer correctly to make sure that, you know, we're getting the proper um, documentation and the record for the patient. So mm -hmm. that, that's been a nice surprise. Right. Good stuff. So kind of wrap up thing with our interview here, just um, I know you've got a background with inpatient CDI too, Lena. And, you know, as I was, as I was explaining on the, the, the pre-show call, I think about our latest survey data is showing about 24% of our Actus members have an outpatient program. We'll see how the survey results bear that out. Um, but I guess for those that might be looking to expand into outpatient CDI, what do you think the biggest challenges are, and, and in particular with performing these prospective reviews as opposed to what we typically see in inpatient, which is the concurrent inpatient review? And when you're looking at your, 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 your two nurses or your, your two staff reviewers, what kind of skill sets do you look at? Did, and anything different there than maybe your traditional inpatient CDI? Again, for someone who might be looking to start here with a pilot, maybe look for an outpatient CDI professional. What, what type of skill sets do you look for in this individual? Yeah, so it's definitely a different hat you have to put on um, to do outpatient CDI versus inpatient CDI. And I have even 
you know, in a past life would switch back and forth between inpatient CDI and then I'd go and review things for outpatient. Um, so I think the biggest challenge for switching over is that adjustment of focus from like an acute diagnosis capture to the chronic diagnosis capture. There's such a huge variety of HCC diagnosis that aren't necessarily often sought out in the inpatient setting that have a major impact on RAS scores and our HCCs. And so you're not used to asking those sort of questions in the inpatient world that you're asking in the outpatient world. Um, so it's kind of a different formulation of how do I ask this question for a chronic diagnosis and, and what, um, you know, clinical indicators do I have to represent this? Um, so it's a, a little bit of relearning um, of what those HCCs are and, and working with the chronic conditions more. I would say the skill sets are similar within inpatient and outpatient, um, but in the outpatient setting, definitely having the ability to be autonomous, um, innovative, adaptable are all essential because it is such a new um, division within CDI and it's just constantly ever changing. We're you know, trying to find technology that works the best for us, new processes, new workflows. And you definitely have to have a love for finding um, information. Um, a lot of times the HCCs are, are buried within, you know, multiple office visits, multiple consultations um, and things like that. So it's hard. Um, you're not just reviewing progress notes from day to day and consult notes from day to day. You may be reviewing, you know, 50 visits from that year to see what HCCs were, you know, accurately captured. So you, you definitely have to have a love for reading documentation <laughs> uh, more thoroughly in the outpatient setting. Right. Yeah, good stuff here. Um, just we got a few questions and maybe I'll try to just work in one of these, which I thought was interesting. This person wrote, what, what if the provider isn't meeting, they put M-E-A-T, that's very clever, which I like, wasn't meeting the diagnosis that was present in the previous year? Uh, do, do you, what, what do you do to address like compliance issues? We're going to actually get into this in a moment in the, in the news segment here, but what if, what if a diagnosis is just carried over, but there apparently isn't, maybe in the problem list, but there isn't any support for that in the record? Um, so just like in the outpatient setting, you would query for, you know, clinical validity of that. Um, what support do they see within the record? Is that still an applicable diagnosis? Um, and if so, what meet criteria needs added to the record to help support that? Um, because, you know, we all know that, um, like you said, we'll get into, you, you have to have the meat and potatoes um, to support that diagnosis or it's, you know, technically invalid. Um, so yep. we, we have to clean it up and be as accurate as possible. Sure. Well, good stuff. Thank you very much, Lena. Let's, um, let's take a quick look here at our poll results. So again, we asked folks, um, if you have an outpatient CDI program, do you perform prospective reviews? So 16% say yes, 14% no, 11% not sure. 58 largest bucket, 58% not applicable, do not have an outpatient program, and then 1% other. So anything, uh, anything surprise you here, you, you're, you or Laurie, with these poll results? Go ahead, Lena. <laughs> um, 
I'm, I'm still surprised that there aren't as many outpatient mm-hmm. CDI programs out there. I, you know, I, I know we've, you know, kind of taken a backseat over the, you know, pandemic and launching new programs has been tough for any, um, you know, CDI um, division, but yeah, I, I, I think as we get out there more and we come out of this pandemic, I think that we'll see that number go down. Um, of the number of people that don't have outpatient programs as we start to see the value in it. Right. I would agree. Absolutely. Well, thanks for that, Lena. We're going to, at this point, bounce over to our in the news segment. And as you will all see, this one is very much related to today's topic. I feel like this topic keeps coming up almost weekly. Uh, <laughs> yes. it's, it's out of control. Uh, but essentially, it's, uh, again, the latest, uh, a latest OIG audit on uh, outpatients in, about HCC capture and, and really what makes outpatient CDI compliance so so important. We hope you took some tips away from today's program already. But, you know, in short, this one is a, I'm going to scroll down just a bit here. Um, it's an OIG audit of uh, a mass, uh, excuse me, a Medicare Advantage organization, Coventry Healthcare of Missouri. It focused on six groups of high-risk diagnosis codes, which I'll walk through in just a moment. Essentially, the OIG was seeking to determine whether these diagnosis codes that Coventry submitted for CMS to use in risk adjust in its risk adjustment program complied with federal requirements. Uh, really interesting here. I'll scroll down just a little further. They they selected 275 unique enrollee years with some high di- high risk diagnosis codes for which Coventry received higher payments. This was from 2014 through 2016. Um, these these codes totaled $701,000 in payment over those years. And what was really interesting was that the OIG found that most of these codes, again, in these high-risk areas, did not comply with federal requirements. OIG claimed a, a rate of 226 of these 275 enrollee years were in error. Uh, that's pretty da- darn high. My quick math skills say an 82% error rate, which is concerning. <clears throat> Essentially, the, the reason given was that uh, they, they felt like Coventry did not have the, the right policies in place to meet compliance. They, um, they estimated $548,000 in overpayments <clears throat> that Coventry repay. Coventry agreed to repay most of this. They did make some exceptions, as, and as you can read further in the story, there's, there's always some pushback here. But, um, you know, in case you're wondering, those, those six... Uh, categories I pulled up here. This is the actual full report, which I recommend you read. It's always interesting to read these. If you have a few minutes to read a 59-page OIG report, uh, acute stroke, acute heart attack, embolism, vascular claudication, major depressive disorder. We were talking about that earlier, and then mm-hmm. p- potentially miskeyed diagnosis codes. You know that latter. That's just I guess just kind of sticky fingers or fumbling fingers here. But the others really were. If you look at why they targeted these, you know, there may have been an enrollee with an acute condition um, on a claim, but there is, um, you know, no corresponding meet criteria. For example, there's no medication given to that patient. And so the OIG is saying, well, you should have used a history of code instead. 
which does not map to an HCC that was very common, or maybe for acute heart attack, you know, a less severe manifestation should have been used. Likewise with embolism, you know, there's no, did not have an anticoagulant medication dispensed. So OIG is definitely looking at these diagnoses and making sure that they're being treated, monitored, assessed, et cetera. So, um, and I'm, this is getting very, very common. I feel like I'm a broken record mm -hmm. here, but obviously if you've got an outpatient program, this is something you need to be looking at. I know in this case it was, you know, it was a Medicare Advantage program, but we see more and more hospitals that have their own Medicare Advantage um, program in place. So I'll just ask you, Lena, anything that you took away from this report or anything that you would want to advise our, our listeners about here? Yes, but I, I found this article in Audit to be kind of par for the course. Like you said, um, you know, we just see this so much now that you have to have that medical record representation of each diagnosis and what that meet criteria is. What surprised me about the acute stroke and the acute MI um, is that those are probably missed on the inpatient claim because they didn't have a CDI review. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe during that um, inpatient um, claim that the patient did have the acute stroke, maybe it, it wasn't captured that CVA or um, that MI um, because someone you know miscoded it and didn't realize that that MRI revealed that they had a CVA and so they didn't ask the question and no one diagnosed it and so that was kind of like a two-step um, miss for me those two acute diagnoses not only on the inpatient side but then also on the outpatient side you don't tend to have those acute diagnoses captured on the outpatient side. Um, and so that kind of should have been a red flag um, for those uh, reviewers or um, coders, um, just because, you know, we, we tend to not see them diagnosed in the outpatient setting. So that could have been a, a major focus for them. Yeah, there was some talk in here. Again, this report's very lengthy. I can't go through it all, but uh, some talk about the claim is not matching up, you know, the, the hospital claim versus the, um, the, the, the physician claim. So mm -hmm. importance of yeah, working Yeah, and, and we see that. that a lot with the, uh, with the cancer diagnosis. Um, so, you know, if a patient comes in and they have a biopsy and then the path results come back after the fact and no one documented that they had an active cancer, and then on the, you know, in or outpatient claim, we capture that cancer, it, it doesn't, it looks like we never established a diagnosis in the, in the get-go. So um, it's definitely a sticky situation um, right. across the board that you, you have to capture everything you can on the inpatient and capture everything you can on the outpatient that's as accurate as possible. Yep, good advice. All right, and we were just chatting again before the show how I actually found you for this program, Lena, I, and I was able to find it. We, um, we interviewed you for with a Q&A during CDI week. So if you want to learn more about uh, the, the program at WVU Medicine, recommend you check this out. We'll, we'll link to this in the show notes. Ordering takeout, outpatient CDI. Pretty clever. <laughs> <I think. laughs> All right. Let's wrap up with just a quick Actus update. Actus update is a regular segment featuring the latest news on what's going on inside of Actus. Um, just wanted to point you in the direction of kind of a a fun little promotion we're doing called Actus Pocket Guides in the Wild. Um, they're out there in the jungle somewhere. <laughs> um, 
again, I will link to this in, in the notes for the program, but with our 2022 Actus Pocket Guide set to be unleashed on the CDI industry, um, we're looking for people to show how they're using their pocket guides out in the real world. You know, maybe it's a picture you can send of, of, of with your pocket guide by your workstation. If you're working at home, you know, where your favorite work, work queue is at home. Uh, we've seen some from the conference. Laurie, I think we've seen a few of yours with, with various pets involved. And you've got a, a cute new pet who probably like to chew on one. You know, given I, I, he would. <laughs> he would he would love to eat it. I might give him last year's edition. Yeah, give him 2021. Not, I'll you know, give him 2021, yeah. Okay. Not that you should, I'm not telling you to destroy last year's edition of the pocket. But <laughs> if you have to use it, you can use the one dated last year. But essentially how this, this, um, this promotion works. If you submit a photo of your Actus Pocket Guide in the wild, you will receive free access to an on-demand webinar, Denial's Management, CDI's Role in Providing and Fighting and Prevention. So um, go to the link I'm going to share in the show notes. Click here. This, it's an easy way. It's a quick survey monkey. We just ask you to submit your photo, and uh, you will receive free access to an on-demand webinar. Pretty, pretty good deal, and it should be a fun promotion. We got a few cool pictures in so far. I'm looking forward to see uh, all of our pocket guides in the wild. Okay, well, that is going to do it for today's edition of the Actus Podcast. For those joining us live, we're going to see you back here again in two weeks on Wednesday, December 8th for our next show, which is really excited about this one. Not that I wasn't excited today, Lena, but we have um, Lessons in Resilience with Nicole Fox. For those that came to our conference in Dallas, Nicole was one of our keynote speakers, um, really gave a memorable presentation on uh, her lessons learned in resilience over the past 18, 20 months of pandemic and working as a pediatric trauma surgeon, as well as a physician advisor for her organization. So hope you can join that show. Um, as a reminder, you can listen to our show recordings anytime on the website via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify as well. Uh, again, want to thank you, Lena, for joining us today. Awesome job. Um, also to our sponsor, 3M Health Information Systems, now with Modal. Thank you for your support of today's show. If you guys have any suggestions, did you like today's show? More on outpatient CDI, less on outpatient CDI, I don't know. Send me an email at bmurphy at actus.org. And we will see you back here again in two weeks. Take care, everyone.